0: I've spent the last month getting to know and serve with the newly called seminary teachers in my local stakes. As I talk with these amazing people, it's obvious that they feel the weight of undertaking one of the most demanding and rewarding callings in the church. I was thinking about them when I read one of my favorite verses of scripture this week, Nehemiah 6 verse 3, which says, in part, I am doing a great work. In this episode, we consider our own great work. Whether that's a new calling, building or rebuilding a crucial relationship, tackling a particularly difficult self-improvement project, or ministering to someone in real need. And we'll identify a few places in our study this week that can hold important instructions for each of us. Welcome to the Scripture Study Project. We are your hosts, Krista and Zach Horton, and this is our podcast where we study Scripture with you. Our goal each week is to help you discover new or renewed excitement for God and His Word, invest your heart and personal life into your study, and connect with others as you teach and learn together. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our study this week of Ezra and Nehemiah. It's just me, and I wanted to start by relating an experience that Krista and I had this last week. We had the really great opportunity to be with some of our colleagues and friends Touring some of the church history sites in the northeastern states of the of the U.S., we were from Vermont all the way to Kirtland, and it was a week long trip, uh, and it was pretty high octane. We were up at seven o'clock in the morning to start going to whatever the first site was on the agenda, and we went till eight o'clock or so at night, and went to all of the sites that are well known, and and quite a few of the ones that are less well known, and. Uh, <laughs> I I joke that if there was anything, any kind of connection to church history, we either drove by it or stood at it or looked at it. Um, And so, but it was a great opportunity. We, both Chris and I had been to various places, uh, but had never done this kind of a prolonged uh, connected experience. And so uh, it's hard to say what was our, what our favorite place was, but one of them at least had to have been Kirtland we loved the feeling in Kirtland um, that came from being in the place where so much sacrifice took place. Here these church members are that have come to this pretty small place. Most of them have given up homes, farms, and even family to relocate to this new kind of frontier town. And then within Uh, months of them being there, the revelation comes that they're to build a temple. And being in Kirtland and picturing myself in the shoes of those early saints, we have a vision that has come to the president of the church, Joseph Smith and Sidney Rigdon, see this temple and others, see this temple in vision uh, to the very detail. And yet, they have the very real reality that no one in Kirtland knows how to build something like this. Uh, in fact, when they first started looking at what they were going to use to build the temple, the idea was, well, we'll use wood because that's what we know. We have built log cabins and homes and, and farm houses out of wood. And so that was the first plan, of course, that wasn't going to work. And so they tried brick. That didn't work either. And eventually they, they realized they had to build this out of stone. Uh, The only problem is no one in Kirtland uh, can work with stone to the degree that they needed to and to build a building like they had seen in vision. So they uh, have to go and bring Brother Truman Angel from Canada all the way down to Kirtland. He relocates with his family to come and oversee construction of the temple. Either before that or as part of that, he becomes converted to the church and does a great work. And eventually we are able to build this incredible building. But it takes uh, a lot of sacrifice and it takes pushing through a situation where members of the church can see clearly what is supposed to be and yet are held back uh, or, or facing the obstacle of their own inability to do this big thing that they have ahead of them. As we study this week, we have a similar story. Um, Beginning the book of Ezra, if we remember at the end of 2 Kings, uh, the kingdoms of Israel and Judah, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah, have been conquered by invading powers. Uh, Israel has been taken over by Assyria, and then eventually Babylon will come in 100, 200 years later, and will conquer Judah and take over Israel, and And then Persia will come in and take over both of those. And uh, and so we have uh, uh, Israel and Judah in, in bondage, in captivity to these foreign powers. However, the king of Persia, when we begin the story of Ezra, is King Cyrus, who has this incredible vision where he senses that he has a role to play in the reconstruction of the Lord's temple in Jerusalem. And so Ezra the scribe is called to go up with others to rebuild the temple at Jerusalem. Then Nehemiah, uh, later on, is uh, is the cupbearer for a later king of Persia, and he feels the impression to go back and rebuild the walls around Jerusalem, the actual city walls themselves, um, and is allowed leave to go and do that with others. And we'll talk more about the story in a bit, but, but the... The story, most scholars believe that this is actually one author telling these two stories. And so even though we have them separated in two books, it's really one story. The story of seeing something clearly in vision, something big that we want to accomplish, maybe that we feel the Lord calls us to accomplish and yet not being able to do it or, or, or wrestling with our inability to do it and pushing through so that we can accomplish it is a thread throughout our study this week, and I think something really powerful, um, powerfully relevant in our own lives. And so what we want to look at this week, what I want to look at with you, is three ideas, um, three starting places for your study of these blocks that might help you answer the question, how can I... Do a great work or do the great work that the Lord has asked me to do, whether that's in your family, in a calling, in a community, or in your own personal life. Um, what's the great work the Lord has asked you to do that maybe you feel unequal to? And what can we learn from our study this week that might help practically help uh, you accomplish that great work? So, three places you might start your story, your study. Uh, first, watch. The hands. If you go to Ezra chapter one verse six, um, there's a, a symbol that shows up repeatedly in Ezra and Nehemiah, uh, and it's the symbol of hands. Verse six, uh, well, verse five. Then rose up the chief of the fathers of Judah the Benjamin and the priests and the Levites with all them whose spirit God had raised to go up to build the house of the Lord which was in Jerusalem, and all they that were about them strengthened their hands with vessels of silver, with gold, with goods, and with beasts, and with precious things beside all that was willingly offered. Now, this idea of hands will show up repeatedly. And in fact, it shows up in three different ways. Uh, there are three hands or three strengthening of hands throughout our study this week. The first is the one that we just read, where our hands are strengthened by the gracious offerings or the assistance of others. Um Here in this situation, as Ezra and these others go up to build the temple, they're blessed because generous members of the community uh, give them gold and silver and means whereby they can go to rebuild the temple. Later on, Nehemiah uh, will ask the king if he can take wood from the king's own forest to go and build the temple, and the king grants him that leave. Uh, However, sometimes hands are weakened. If you go to Ezra chapter 4, verse 4, um, this, as I mentioned, building this temple is not going to be an easy thing for Ezra and his people. And uh, when they get there, the the people uh, of the, nor- the, the province, the northern province, uh, headquartered in Syria, uh, what used to be the kingdom of Israel, the governor there sees this kind of rival for local power. And so they write back to the king and tell him, they tell him all kinds of tales that the Jews are coming to start a rebellion and to uh, reclaim their kingdom and to throw off the Persian uh, yoke of bondage. And so um, it says in chapter four, verse four, then the people of the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah and troubled them in building. In fact, in the next couple of verses, you see this genealogy of weakening of hands. In verse 5, it's in the days of Cyrus. In verse 6, the reign of Hesuerus. In verse 7, in the days of Artaxerxes. And uh, it's a long story of weakening of hands. And so the first hands that we look at are the hands of the people around us, those that can either strengthen us or weaken us. In Ezra chapter 7... The strengthening of hands shifts, not to someone else on earth, but to the God of heaven. Uh, chapter 7, verse 6. This Ezra went up from Babylon, and he was a ready scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given him. And the king granted him all his requests according to the hand of the Lord his God upon him. And that idea repeats in verse 9, uh, in verse 28 in chapter 8, verse 18, and 21, and 31, uh, and in Nehemiah as well, where God comes in and with his mighty hand does something. And then the third strengthening of hands comes in Nehemiah chapter 2, when uh, in verses 17 and 18, Nehemiah says to his people, Ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth in waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire, come, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was upon me. So there's that second hand of God, that second hand, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. So again, three hands or three different uses of the word hands. And it reminds me of uh, in the Book of Mormon when the brother of Jared has to build these barges and cross the ocean. And if you remember, he asks the Lord three different questions. How are we going to get light in our boats? How are we going to breathe? And how are we going to steer? And to those three questions, the Lord gives three different kinds of answers. Um, To the air question, the Lord gives the brother of Jared specific instructions that he expects him to follow to the light question, the Lord lets the brother Jared come up with a solution. And to the steering question, the Lord says, you won't do anything. I will do it for you. I will steer uh, these ships across the ocean. And so here we see a, a mirror of that, where in, in moving us towards a great work, the Lord can either strengthen us through those around us, he himself can divinely intervene and do something, or... He can give us the means whereby we can strengthen our own hands. The second place where I think you could find answers to this question of how can I do a great work is, is paying attention to locations. Back in Ezra chapter 1 verse 5, uh, when they go to build the temple, the phrasing is that they will go up. And that uh that directional sense indicates that they see this as a progression. They're going up to Jerusalem and up to the Temple Mount to reconstruct this temple. However, when they get there in Nehemiah and they're rebuilding the walls, um, in chapter six, they've reconstructed the walls. And now Sanballat, the Syrian governor, sees this rival to power and he wants uh, to create some kind of treaty whereby Judah is weakened and his position is strengthened. And so he wants to meet with Nehemiah, who's now the governor of Judah. However, uh, Jerusalem is now this great walled city. And so what does he do? Uh, In verse 2, he writes a letter to Nehemiah saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. In other words, leave your city And let's meet on some neutral territory where you don't have all these walls around you. And you have to love Nehemiah's response. I sent messengers unto them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? So that's the first place where direction, uh, location comes into play. I want to stay up here in this safe place, not come down to you. However, there's a balance to this. A little bit later on in that same chapter, um, the counselors that Nehemiah has are afraid that now Sanballat's going to plot some kind of assassination attempt against Nehemiah. And so they tell him in verse 10, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple and let us shut the doors of the temple for they will come and slay thee, yea, in the night they will come and slay thee. So here's the opposite. Now here's a group of people that are telling Nehemiah, why don't you cloister yourself in the temple, lock the doors so that they can't attack you. And Nehemiah's response is similar. Verse 11, should such a man as I flee? And who is there that, being as I am, would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. Now, I won't answer this question for you. But I think it's a fun place to ponder what is the symbolic meaning for us in not leaving the walled safety of our sanctuaries to uh, meet in the plain of Ono with someone that might be tempting us, but also not agreeing to cloister ourselves in and lock ourselves up. There's a balance there, and I think it's a fascinating uh, question to ponder as we consider how we might go about building something great. The third place that I think is worthwhile looking at is at the adversaries that are against both Ezra and Nehemiah. I already mentioned the letters uh, and the the campaign against Ezra and his people that actually works. They stop Ezra from building the temple for almost a decade. And then Ezra is able to go back under the next king and and, uh, get permission to rebuild the temple again. Um, And then we read in Nehemiah this... uh, Syrian governor Sambalat is trying to stop them, but that's not the only adversaries that they have. If you go to chapter 4, um, the people themselves are feeling internal strife. Uh, this is chapter 4, verse 10. And Judah said, the strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed. There is much rubbish so that we are not able to build the wall. And our adversary said, they shall not know neither see till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. A little bit later on, Nehemiah is going to take the leaders of the local uh, group of remnants, the local Jews, to task for overtaxing people and for not being willing to work. And so whether it's external adversaries or internal adversaries, doing something great, some great work does not come without its contradictions. And so I think it's worthwhile to study a little bit and look at where those attacks come from and then to ask ourselves, who are my adversaries? That could be external forces, but for most of us, they're probably more painful internal adversaries that we face. Whether it's external or internal, though, I think it's a great cross-reference to look at First Nephi chapter 8. And if you read the vision of the tree of life there, you notice that there are two groups of people that make it to the tree of life. Two groups of people that hold on to the iron rod and make it to the tree and taste the fruit. However, one of those groups falls away, ashamed, and the other group remains there. And the only difference between those two groups is that the second group that stays at the tree, it said, Nephi says, we heeded not the voices in the great and spacious building. If you look at the first group, they're clinging to the rod as they make it to the tree. They're afraid of the voices. They're constantly focused on what other people might be saying. And even though they make it to the tree and taste the fruit, they fall away because their focus has always been on their adversaries. The second group that makes it, they hold fast to the iron rod. And when they make it to the tree, they don't fall away because their focus has always been on the tree and they don't heed the voices of those that are against them. Now, those are just three ideas of places that you could begin your study. As you do, the Lord will inspire you to see things, learn things, feel things, and do things that will enable you to build whatever great work the Lord has in store for you. Thank you so much for studying this week with me. We'll see you next episode.